Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourselves, our family, and others. Well, I just love this song. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. God has a plan for the salvation of mankind. God's plan is for us to believe on Jesus and for us to demonstrate that we believe. We try to follow the example of Jesus Christ. You might say, be ye holy, for he is holy. Some people are concerned that they have committed the unpardonable sin. I suggest to you that that, that one sin is the sin of unbelief. But check it out for yourself. Pray and read the Bible. Again, we demonstrate that we believe by living the life that he would have us to live. God's plan of salvation was to send Jesus to die on the cross as payment for the sins of mankind and for all of my sins as well. I simply accept this free gift from God and I repent. You see, in my appreciation of this gift, I turn from all that God considers sin and I try to live a life pleasing to God instead of a life which was mostly pleasing to my momentary idea of pleasure. To help us understand these ideas, God gave us his book, the Bible. It has stories which we can identify with, mankind who struggled, who failed, and who walked with God. This process of understanding our new relationship with God is often called a born-again experience, and it is lovely. Now, I'll talk for a moment about my own thoughts about what, at some point, our future holds. Simply put, after the Great Tribulation period, the earth will have a born-again experience. Meanwhile, we will see that where sin abounds, grace will abound more. Similarly, a single candle burns brighter in the darkness of difficulty than in the light of a normal day. Our choice to choose God's good living instead of living in the sin pattern of the world will become a more obvious choice. We on earth will have to choose one direction or the other, godly living or worldly living. And this choice will determine the destiny of your eternal soul. I urge you to choose life and to choose life more abundantly with God, through Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. Renew your steadfast conviction to God and look forward to the world to come. That is to say, God's righteous world. As we seek to follow God's two great commandments, which are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is episode 21. Being prepared physically is very good, but it is more important that you are spiritually prepared for whatever is coming. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. 
Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and hello to the world. Welcome to Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all little bit of a disclaimer here at the beginning. I am, uh, as you might be able to detect, my voice is not quite my own. I'm going to spare you my rendition of Old Man River. However, um, you know, I've been suffering from allergies, and then I get hit with a bad cold. And that's a, that's a lousy combination, because I don't even know what medication to take. They aren't the same, and... Um, but I'm asking God to power me through this. So if you hear a little break here and there, it may be because I've got to turn aside and cough, what have you. You don't have to listen for it. I probably didn't even need to tell you that. But in an effort to not cough, you probably are going to hear me speaking a little slower today. Actually, I've had some people ask me to do that. So um, is this the confirmation? I don't know. But anyway, I've got... A couple of stories we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk. I've got a couple of good news items. We're going to talk a bit about uh, guns. We are going to talk about um, abortion in a whole, a whole new realm that will stun you. And we're also going to talk. Uh, the biblical topic for today is going to deal with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's right. You, in fact, you might want to get your Bibles out. Turn to Matthew twelve. You can take a look at the verses there from 31 to 32, Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Just have them ready because we're going to use a real-life situation. I won't have the answer, but I am going to pose a very realistic question as to whether somebody has blasphemed the Holy Spirit, who is a very uh, becoming a very notable person in American politics. But we're going to learn something about that activity when we study this person. Okay, so let's get rolling here. I've got a couple of odd good news stories. The first one, um, in no particular order, Donald Trump proclaimed the other day that he intends to cut the foreign aid budget by 23%. Now, those of you listening in foreign countries, which comprise probably, I don't know, half of this listening audience, are in foreign countries, you might think, oh, no, that's bad news. We're, you know, we're going to get less financial aid from the United States. It is good news, however, for the United States. And I support it, even though a bevy of Republicans and Democrats are assailing Trump for daring to lower our foreign aid giving, gift-giving program to all the countries that were supposedly help establishing democracies and this and that. Here's the deal. We are $22 trillion in debt. So do we go further in debt to help other countries where we frankly really have no business being anyway? Now I want to tell you, on the issue of, of war, and uh, nation building and things of that sort, 
I'm probably closer to Rand Paul than I am the other Republicans. I'm probably much closer to a libertarian perspective because I don't see us having any particular reason to be fiddling around in a whole bunch of matters all around the world and making financial commitments when we can't fulfill our obligations at home. How do we... So let me understand. We are supposed to continue to borrow money, sticking it to our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren with a growing budget deficit to help somebody on the other side of the world. We're going to go in debt. Now, I understand maybe doing that if, in fact, you had a surplus. If we had excess funds in this country and we're wondering what to do with them, we might say, well, let's go help the people here or there. Of course, with the Democrats, you will never have excess funds because they're going to make sure that they're all spent. But how many billions could we cut out of foreign aid, which gives and accomplishes nothing for this country, that could be quickly and easily deployed to a wall on the southern border. Folks, the $5 billion for the wall isn't, excuse me, isn't jack compared to the billions we spend on foreign aid. Much of it, much of it to countries who have no appreciation, or as Barack Obama did, that spending program to help rebuild mosques in other countries. We've got foreign aid to help rebuild tattered mosques in other countries. Well, from a Muslim like Obama, that's about what you would expect, right? Right. But he is proposing it, and this is bothersome that so many Republicans are on his case for for proposing it. Are they afraid that there's going to be political ramifications and their derriere gets tossed out of office? Probably so. I don't think that there's some heartfelt, long-held commitment in Republican senators to certain countries that the names of which they can't spell. No, it's all about buying favor. The Democrats do a great job of it here. I mean, Obama, I mean, the women that got free cell phones and this and that. And 1 Samuel 8 talks to us, tells us about what happens when you have in power somebody who promises the benefits of, of the excess of the executive for help keeping them in power. That was Saul. I compared to Saul to Obama a number of years ago uh, on that passage that said where, where Saul is saying, look, if David is your king, are, are you guys going to get all this stuff I've been providing you? Folks, there's a playbook right out of Obama's administration. Look, are you going to get this stuff that I'm giving you if you turn this over to the Republicans? I'm here to fatten your little calves. Right? All those who are government workers and help support me and surround me and sustain me, I'm going to do it by by growing the government and burdening the the backs of the people. It's exactly what Saul did. It's exactly what Barack Obama did. But it's time to cut back. Now, this, I got to, you know, this launches into another question or an issue. I am so sick and tired of Trump being called a Nazi. Nazis do not reduce foreign budget aids. Nazis do not reduce regulations. Nazis do not cut taxes. Nazis do not free up the marketplace for people to do. If there is anybody who's more un-Nazi of any president in the last 50 years, including Ronald Reagan, it's Donald Trump. So, you know, this is a case of the people, you know, pot calling the kettle black or however that expression goes. The next piece of good news, also equally odd, in a sense, and that is this trans woman smashes four female weightlifting records at one event. That's right. This guy, who goes as a, I mean, it says he's a woman, but you look at him, he's obviously a guy. I mean, he doesn't even fake it well. I mean, there's a little long hair and wig or what have you, and who was it, Aerosmith or somebody had that song out that... You know, the dude looks like a lady. Uh, I can't remember who did that. I actually didn't care for the song. But anyway, the dude does look like a lady, sort of. Well, anyway, he goes by Mary Gregory. And you're going to wonder, why on earth is this a good news story? Well, I'll get to that. Transgender power lifter Mary Gregory recently celebrated the feat of smashing four women's weightlifting records all at the same event. 
But opponents cried foul since Gregory was born a man and only recently announced becoming a transgender woman. See, this is the way, you know, Democrats have it. You can just sort of decide what you want to be on any given day. That's the way it is in California schools. You can be a woman on, girl on Monday, guy on Tuesday, and back to a girl on Wednesday. Just whatever floats your boat, I guess, apparently. And California, it's absolute nonsense. He won nine out of nine events. Now, one of the female competitors stated very openly, she said, this is so blatantly, patently unfair. He's obviously a male. He obviously has male physiology. He has a male physique. The dude looks like a lady, but he's a dude. He looks really still more like a dude. Here is why this is good news. This is happening everywhere. The girls are getting ripped off big time. And this is what it's going to take to bring some balance to this. It's going to require all you women listening to this program to rise up to to this demonic nonsense of the left, the tranny fannies, and they're all on the left. They all vote Democrat. You want to know why they want felons to be able to vote these days? And it's a very popular thing. Because 70% of felons identify as Democrats. You say, well, 30% identifying as Republicans is not good. No, that's not true, because out of that 30%, only 9% of them are actually Republicans. The rest are independents, and they identify with with the Democratic Party. So the Democrats want felons to vote because they will support them. They will push tranny this and tranny that because the trannies will vote for them. They'll promote queer this and queer that because queers will vote for them. Muslims will vote for them. They'll give away the country to stay in office. In fact, I know I'm digressing, but I'm going to come back to this story. But I'm gonna, i am got to fit this in. It just jumped in my head. You know, the only way you could get Democrats to support building a wall, the only way, I am convinced the only way you could get Democrats to support building a wall is if that you could somehow prove that the great majority of the Hondurans, Mexicans, and Guatemalans will end up voting Republican. That's the only way. They'll, they'll, they'll do it on about face when they realize that they're actually shooting themselves in the foot. No, I'm not saying that's going to happen because <clears throat> where the illegals vote, which is in San Francisco and other places in California, Illegals vote in various elections. They always go for the libtards. Uh, Predominantly, not exclusively. So back to why is this good news? Unfortunately and sadly, the trannies are going to have to overrun female sports before women rise up in mass and demand that this crapola stop. They have, and it's up to you girls, I mean, we guys, the real dudes, well, there's not much we can do on this thing. You're the ones getting ripped off. You're the victims. So you're going to have to lead the charge. We'll support you every way, and I certainly would on this program. But it won't be until so many of you get ripped off that so many of you get ticked off that you rise up and demand that this demonic infusion into our society stop and stop immediately and you undertake the measures necessary. You boycott all female sports. Turn it all over to tranny guys. Let them have their little day in the fun in the sun. That's what it's going to take. I've said before, and, and this is a sad but prophetic statement. The other component is it sadly is going to require a number of 12 and 13 and 14-year-old girls getting sexually abused and raped by tranny guys in girls' bathrooms before mothers and fathers rise up and say, forget you, school, and your nonsense. We're going to go to a private school. We're going to go to homeschool. And if you get somebody back like grossly incompetent and immoral Barack Hussein Obama, who wanted to order all bathrooms open for all, for all students of all kinds, sort of like Julia Roberts, where does, where does she have the authority to weigh in on this? Well, anyway until it gets worse, it's not going to get better. So I'm actually hoping it accelerates so that it crashes and burns and the women, the godly women in this country, rise up 
and demand an answer for the systematic abuse of them by the Democrat Party, whether it's through abortion, whether it's pushing training guys on them in the, in the bathrooms, the locker rooms, or in this case, the weight rooms. It's up to you, girls. Okay, moving along. Well, along that line, I received this from Gary, our uh, Red Sky Radio Bureau Chief from Southern California. I thought that this spoke very nicely to the situation which I was just covering. He writes, I said, when one tries to reason with a left-wing Democrat, remember you are dealing with a person that believes that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and that such a delusion should be encouraged, not discouraged. Discouragement of the delusion is considered immoral and bigoted. Society, thus, I'm sorry, thus our society has unnecessary dilemmas concerning bathrooms, athletic competition, and at all levels, and pronoun controversies subjecting ourselves to all manner of laws, rules, regulation, and more needless government control. So here is a suggestion to break the left's ridiculous gender ideology and denial of biological reality. President Trump should make a declaration that he is identifying now as a woman. The left will have to admit their absurdity of their gender ideology or accept and celebrate Donna Trump as the first woman president, thereby beating Hillary, Liz Warren, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, etc., to the glorious goal of one of their female firsts. Furthermore, if he remains married to Melania, he'll also be the first gay president and then the first lesbian president. He'll also be the first lesbian president married to an immigrant. What a glorious event for the Democrats to celebrate. And with that, we will move on. Now, this is an interesting piece coming out of MSNBC, certainly not noted for any political conservatism, not noted for common sense, not known for understanding the basic aspects of the U.S. Constitution, and certainly having nothing uh, in common with or an understanding of anything biblical. And that, of course, would go for CNN and ABC, NBC, and CBS. By and large, they really just don't have any concept of righteousness. They don't. But sometimes they will come out and inadvertently admit something that underscores a conservative principle, but they won't even actually recognize that they're admitting it. They don't even understand the case that they are making. Now, such was a situation this week with MSNBC reporter Kerry Sanders, and he's covering the situation in the crisis in Venezuela. Now, keep in mind, Venezuela is a socialistic country. It used to be a once very prosperous country. I remember my parents uh, many years ago, I don't know what it would be, 35, 40 years ago, coming back from Venezuela and telling me what a great country it was, what a good time they had, how friendly the people were, how apparently prosperous it was. Yes, you've got your poverty pockets, as any country does. But when it turned to socialism, the country has destroyed itself. The country has shot itself in the foot. It is committing political and cultural suicide. And this is the socialism that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez apparently favors, the socialist, Bernie Sanders. This is what socialism leads to. You eat your insides, just eat themselves out because you consume, you consume your young in a socialistic society. But covering this chaos, this Carrie Sanders doesn't even realize the case he is making for the Second Amendment. So listen to this. Um, so while he's reporting on this, he was talking about the efforts to oust President Nicolas Maduro. 
he said he said that these uh, these efforts to get this socialist guy out are taking longer than expected in part because not everyone in the country is allowed to own guns now to say not everyone is allowed implies that there are a lot of people who are allowed to own guns um but there's just a, f- a few that aren't i mean that's what the the statement seems to imply there's some that don't some don't get to own guns well are you talking about felons are you talking about people with mental issues people with a history of violence or domestic violence what have you sort of kind of where we are today no when he's saying that not everyone in the country is allowed to own guns he's basically saying everybody other than the mili- the the military and what Maduro calls the civil militia. And basically it's a bunch of brown shirts the socialist dictator has put together to quell riots and to keep the have-nots, meaning the have-not guns, in place. Now you may have seen the video, very disturbing video, of the armored vehicle earlier this week during a protest just, just plowing into a mass of protesters and running over one of them. It reminded me of... Tiananmen Square with China back in, gosh, when was that? 19, 19, what, 89, I think it was. But I need to quote him a little further. He said, so if the military have the guns, they have the power. That's all they had to say. The military has the guns, they have the power. Now, keep in mind, Hugo Chavez who is no fan of capitalism. He was kind of liked by Obama, but gee, what a surprise. Chavez outlawed the ownership of private gun ownership in 2012. In 2012, he outlaws private gun ownership. The country is completely socialistic, And in seven years only, the government is mowing down their own people with armored vehicles. This is what you get with socialism. You see, as the government gets bigger, you get smaller. If you don't have the guns, then they're the only one that have the guns. And what Chavez obviously did was he eliminated the ability of the people to rise up and throw his sorry butt out of office. He eliminated the people's ability to help hold him accountable for his actions. You see, when socialism comes in and the socialists invariably own all the guns, they have said, you little pipsqueaks, you little peewees, you little weenies out there, you common folk, you don't have the power or the authority to hold us accountable. So we get to do whatever the heck we want, and we will, to keep ourselves in office. Now, this is why I have said for a number of years that not only will the United States split in two, it will split primarily over gun ownership. It will be a dividing line over which there is no, there is no means of, com- there's no compromise in fact, I'm going to just throw this in for free. I don't know what country you're li- you are that you're listening, and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but I am going to speak to the people of the United States. <clears throat> you need to have essentially four firearms. You need a great shotgun. You need a great rifle enough to take out a wild pig, which would be like a thirty thirty or something, and obviously kill a human if, if necessary. You need a revolver, and you need a really great semi-automatic pistol. You need at least one of each of those because they have different uses and they have different applications. However, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have four grandchildren, you may need 16 firearms because you're going to need to prepare for a transfer of those firearms to your children and your grandchildren while you can still do it and make sure that the next generation is armed, understands it, is trained, <clears throat> knows how to take away uh, t- take apart a firearm. I was taking apart a firearm the other day. 
looking at it, cleaning it. And I said, oh, gosh, it's good to know how to dismantle this thing. I really hadn't done that since the military where we had to dismantle our M16s in the dark and reassemble them in the dark. And I couldn't do that today. It was a long time ago. I would not remember how to do that. But consider that, and I am very, very serious, consider it one of the most notable legacies to pass on to your children and grandchildren is not just to have it, but to know how to use it, take them out shooting, show them how to get them trained, how to load, how to handle, how to clean, all of those things so that there's a remnant behind you that's not stuck like the Venezuelans. And if the Democrats assume control at a level where they say you've got to turn in the, the guns, obviously I, a gazillion of others, will defy that order. We will not turn them in under any circumstance. No way. And you say, are you supposed to obey civil authority? Sometimes, <clears throat> not all civil authority, the people are there, are there by God. The orders they, they, they emit are not necessarily godly orders. And at some point, I probably should revisit the issue. Though we did it last year, but maybe it needs to come back around again. Using the Hebrew midwives, using Daniel, using Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, using the priests under Saul, using uh, uh, Peter and John in the New Testament, all of the examples and there are just tons of them, of godly people rightfully disobeying civil authority, and God rewards them. And why? Because those are people who put obedience to God before the obedience to man. And maybe we should revisit that topic. So my point here, coming back to Hugo Chavez, where he bans guns in 2012, in seven short years, you got a regime that's an absolute wreck, a wrecking ball in South America. And they're socialists. These are the things that Ilhan Shmalahu-Shmakbar Omar wants and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and what Eliab, the Muslim from Detroit, they're all pushing this stuff because they want to be in control. They want to be in control, absolutely. They hate the right. They're, they're bibliophobic. They hate the Bible. They're Christophobic. They hate Jesus Christ. They're Elohimophobic. They're El Shaddaiophobic, and they feel a moral privilege or duty to disarm people, and they will when it comes. They're already trying to do it in various places. Keep that in mind. If you want to look at a, have a sneak preview of what the United States will be like under socialism, just go take a look at Venezuela. And obviously the gun control doesn't work. I mean, take the, the synagogue shooting in um, in California this last week. California has universal background checks, firearm registration requirements, firearm confiscation orders, red flag laws. They require state uh, would-be gun owners to obtain gun safety certificates. They require 10-day waiting periods for all gun purchases. They have limitations on how many you can buy. Uh, can't be 20, no guns can be carried on campus. Can't get a gun unless you can show good cause. On and on and on. They still got the same problem. We'll be right back. Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. Don't go away. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you.
We are back. This is Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. I want to touch now on another topic. Here, I'm going to go back to the abortion issue and something that's really, um, you know, I'm I'm beyond belief. It's beyond belief. And then we're going to get to the issue of what constitutes back, uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be our Bible topic for the day, but I only apply Bible topics when it applies to a current day event which is pretty much all the time in a lot of events. But in any event, because Trump is pro-life, the left has gone to not just asinine degree, just a, a, a an unbelievable degree of hatred towards pro-life people. And when you think it can't get any worse, it just does. And I'm going to give you three examples today because... <clears throat> At some point, this is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that at some point a governor of a state will simply say we cannot let this unlawful slaughter of the unborn continue anymore and just go out and with with force of arms, if necessary, shut down the abortion clinics in that particular state. I support that entirely. So if the governor of Oklahoma, for example, and you got some abortion clinics in Oklahoma City and maybe a couple in Tulsa. You just go there and say, we're shutting you down. And you don't have to point a gun at their head. They could be armed, what have you. But under the force of law, just shut them down. We're here to protect the innocent unborn. And the court would come out, some court would issue an order, and then the governor just simply has to ignore it. That's what I'm getting back to that point here about when you have to disobey civil authority, do you, as a governor, sit there and let innocent unborn children get slaughtered in the womb? Or do you act on your own in obedience to God to save an innocent life? Uh, my answer has been, has been solidified, was solidified a long time ago. Absolutely, just go shut them down. Say, well, that's a constitutional crisis because you're going to be disobeying the Federal Circuit Court or Supreme Court. Folks, we have a crisis now. It's called 62 million dead in the womb, and you have the likes of what I'm going to share with you right now in the news. I'm going to start with the University of California, San Diego professor who compared unborn children to a cancer. That's right. He, he teaches a course on the evolution of human disease. <clears throat> so apparently disease evolves, according to this guy. And then he, the professor describes a fetus as a, quote, legitimate parasite that rapidly grows and invades the mother. So <laughs> this is hard to... Are you paying are you paying tuition for a kid at UC San Diego? I mean, this is wasted money, folks. I mean this this professor goes on to show a child in the womb comparing it to a cancer tumor and calls it a parasite that invades the mother. Oh come on. You are paying money for this kind of so-called education from Pascal Gagnon in the School of Medicine, you're going to compare the child to a tumor. This is what the left has to do to justify baby killing. It's what they do, and and that's the easiest of the three that I have to share with you. The the next one you probably have heard about, uh, Alabama Democrat by the name of John Rogers, of course, is under fire because of a, of some comments he made regarding an Alabama bill <clears throat> to protect the unborn. And he said, and these are his words, he said, as a, and he opposed this legislation, he said, some, quote, some kids are, unwant- are unwanted, so you kill them now or you kill them later. So the Republican-controlled House in Alabama overwhelmingly approved a bill that would make it a felony to perform an abortion at any stage of the pregnancy, with the sole exception of the woman whose 
genuine health is at risk. <clears throat> God bless Alabama. The bill passed 74 to 3. It's now in the Senate, but John Rogers is one of those three that opposed it. So he's out there. Uh, this is just this is just amazing. He said, some kids, i got to read this in its full context. Some kids are unwanted, so you kill them now or you kill them later. You bring them into the world unwanted, unloved. You send them to the electric chair, so you kill them now or you kill them later. He went on to say that some children who face abortion could be retarded and could be deformed. End quote. Well, the only one who's deformed and retarded here is John Rogers. To say, well, there's a possibility that they could be. Re- well, let's just kill them because there's a possibility. There's a well. So there's a if there's a one in a hundred chance you go kill the child because of a one in a hundred chance that they might be retarded. Do you do you uh, just not look for somebody who's lost at sea after five five minutes of looking because it's useless and they're going to die anyway out there? Some no. I mean, this is just unbelievable what this guy is saying. Also making the assumption that every child that is born that it was not wanted at the time of birth is not wanted later on. And that any child who is not wanted later on inevitably ends up in the electric chair. This is the absurdity of the left's hatred of life, which is a derivative of their hatred for Trump. But the wicked just simply become yet more wicked. Last, hope you're sitting down for this one. At the University of Texas, San Antonio, there's a group there called the, uh, I think, the Students for Life. Um, <clears throat> not sure what they are. Some, some life, um, Students for Life. It is Students for Life. I lost it in my notes here. And they put up a bunch of crosses on the lawn there, as they have done other places, and they call it the Cemetery of the Innocents, all the innocent ones who died. Now, they have done this at other places, and left-wing people, people being without morals, without brains, and without conviction, other than that which is evil, they have trashed them at other campuses as well. They just don't have any respect for another person's point of view, another person's property. If somehow it conflicts with their little millennial snowflake garbage that they're actually going into debt for, paying for at some school like UT uh, San Antonio. But when the Students for Life put these up, out immediately, and I mean immediately, out came a group called the Students United for Planned Parenthood. And this is a group that, um, well, they have them on video. So they, these girls, they're all girls, they start chanting on the grounds of these crosses, which are just silently there. Nobody is demonstrating. There's no bullhorn except for these gals. And they start chanting, stop, hey, hey, what's that sound? All the fetuses are in the ground. Now, offhand, it sounds like it's a takeoff from the old Buffalo Springfield song, for what it's worth. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody knows what's going down or something like that. I can't remember exactly how the words go. <clears throat> but I don't know how they would even know that song from the 60s. But anyway, so they're out there chanting, stop, hey, hey, what's that sound? All the fetuses are in the ground. These girls are celebrating. It's no longer about abortion being safe, legal, and rare. They're celebrating the death of the unborn. Now, I suppose he's, well, no, I better not say that. Then they start dancing. They all start, all these girls start dancing in the mock cemetery. They led chants with other pro-abortion supporters or protesters in support of Planned Parenthood, and then they all started bragging about getting an abortion themselves. And then one girl, and they have this is all on video, said, Hey, look, there's there's mine right there. Really proud of the child that she aborted who she is you know, supposedly uh saying is in the ground and she's proud of finding where her dead fetuses is and are real excited about it. 
Then the other female students start joking that they should start they should kiss in the fetus graveyard and said that getting abortion was her biggest kick in life. <clears throat> now the way you would understand these girls they're not women in any sense of the world. I guess they're females. That's about as much as I can give them. What you hear from them is that abortion is no longer about saving a woman's life, which it was supposedly in 1973. And it's no longer anymore about birth control, which it clearly is and has been for a long time. These girls would have you believe that abortion is is good because it's fun to get pregnant and then kill the and kill the child because they can. This is where we are, folks. How does God not judge a nation that accommodates this, that patronizes this? Why isn't the University of Texas not out there kicking these females out for hate speech? Look how much they hate children in the womb. Look how much they hate women who bear children. Look how much they hate people who support life. That's just in this past week. Just in this past week. Okay, moving on to our topic of the day, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to precede this with a story which is becoming all too familiar. And that is there are various churches around this country which are increasingly adopting, let's just say, uh, unorthodox views towards worship, but frankly just headed towards ungodly views towards worship, which really isn't worship at all. And I've covered a couple of cases in the past. This is a new one here, Pastor Craig Cross, whose church is promoting Christian cannabis, claiming that they are real Christians and that the fact that weed helps make it easier to worship. That's right. So apparently, uh, the worship of God can't stem from your heart. It has to stem from a screwed-up brain is the source of, of worship. And that worship requires some psychoactive drug to launch the process. Uh, needless to say, he's in California. He's in Pasadena. The ministry was founded initially to help those break free from pornography addictions. But now they're in the business of selling and promoting marijuana for Christians through the outlook of Christian cannabis. So uh, that leads into the next story. And that is, what constitutes a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Because the Christian cannabis doesn't. It's just that it's one more story of the so-called church heading down a path to oblivion, but they're going to drag a whole bunch of people with them, Christians who never used marijuana because it was illegal, but who rightfully think that that which is legal could be also moral, but it isn't in this I mean, after all, isn't abortion legal? It's obviously immoral. But a lot of Christians get sucked into buying stocks of marijuana companies because it's supposed to be a booming industry. So they want the marijuana industry to spread because their portfolio gets bigger. They get sucked into trying it, having it at parties because it's now legal. If it's legal, it must be okay. And how is it any really any different than wine or other things, what have you? You know, go that direction if you want, but whatever you do, don't call it worship. I'm not saying that the Christian cannabis is is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in saying that it helps a person worship. But how could a psychoactive drug be God's tool for praising him? Something that's fake. God doesn't want fake worship. He doesn't want fake anything. So you're going to get into a false state of mind. Could it be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit to say that God would God wants you to use something that is patently of the devil? Yes, that is possible. 
And the next story is going to cover this in probably uh, a little more detail. But I want you first to go to the passage in Matthew 12, where Jesus describes what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. And I'm going to tell you afterwards what it is not, because there are so many people that have this wrong. I don't know why they just can't take Scripture at face value and let it be what it is. Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. End quote. So understand this. You commit blasphemy in the Holy Spirit. It's over. Done. There's no forgiveness. And I understand why. Because blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is something that doesn't occur typically by somebody who has no God consciousness. After all, if I said, I'd like you to blaspheme that guy you see about 200 yards away. And you said, well, okay, I'll blaspheme. And then you, you, say, you then you realize, wait a second, I can't, he's so far away I can't really tell whether it's a man or a woman. In fact, it could be a fence post. See, you've you got to know something to blaspheme it. And this arose out of the passage where the Pharisees attributed Jesus' healing power to the devil. He said, you cast out these demons by the power of Beelzebub. And then Jesus goes into this thing, well, a, a nation against itself cannot stand. You can't cast yourself out. <clears throat> and he puts them in their place. What was very, very clear from this passage is that when you know or know, should know better that something is of Satan and you attribute it to God or something is of God and you attribute it to Satan, you are in danger of hellfire. I'm not the one to make the decision here. I'm just reading what the word says. So when you say <clears throat> cannabis, getting stoned helps me is something of the Holy Spirit. No, that's not, not a word against Jesus. It's a word against the Holy Ghost, just what Jesus is warning against here. This is, this is not to be taken lightly. Or in the case, more specifically, of what's-his-face, I don't even know how you pronounce his name here, the homosexual Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, and his homosexual lover-slash-husband-slash-sodomite partner, who came out last week and said that the, solemn, the solemnity and memorialization of his sodomistic relationship with his so-called partner brought him closer to God. This is a guy who has claimed for some time that he's Christian. <clears throat> he talks about certain passages. This guy is so left, far left. You, if you shall know them by their fruit, the fruit on this tree, guy's tree just absolutely stinks. It's rotten to the core. He is not right on one single issue from abortion to queer marriage to queer this, queer that, what have you. He's wrong on absolutely everything, everything. But what is he saying? Sodomy has brought me closer to God. So understand, this is Pete Buttigieg saying that that which God calls an abomination, that which God has condemned, Old Testament, New Testament, that which God says if you do this, you go to hell. You don't, go, you don't get into heaven. If it's that serious with God, how does Pete Buttigieg get off saying that somehow he has a Holy Spirit encounter with God that's much closer now because he is in a committed sodomistic relationship, committing those things which are an abomination to the Lord? What's he calling? He's calling that which is of the devil to be of God. The Pharisees called that which was of God to be of the devil. They're flip sides of the same coin, folks. Now, 
you might be saying, well, Paul admitted that he blasphemed. And he did. Paul admitted that he blasphemed. But he said, however, I did it in ignorance. In other words, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit doesn't occur in a situation of complete and utter ignorance. It doesn't really occur with somebody who doesn't know no connection with the gospel, but somehow, you know, whatever, walking down the street spewing profanities. It's not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. No matter how much they take the Lord's name in vain, it is not. There's nothing that they're calling of God to be of Satan or Satan that is of God that they would know about, that they have any recognition of. But when you take somebody who claims to be a Christian for a long time, like Pete Buttigieg or this cannabis guy, and starts attributing to God those things which God specifically prohibits and calls an abomination, you're in dangerous ground. And I want to finish with something here. Like I, I, I've met Pat Robertson. I, he's a good guy and everything. Sometimes Pat's really off. I will tell you he's off. A lot of the Baptists are off. A lot of the Pentecostals are off. Because if you ask Calvary Chapel, you can go right on down the line. You ask them, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And they will give you pretty much all the same answer. It's rejecting Jesus Christ as Lord. No, it isn't. That's just rejecting, yeah, if you reject Jesus Christ as Lord and you don't, there is a change that's possible there. That's somebody who rejects him. Can they change their mind later on and accept him? Yeah, I rejected you. Of course they can. But when somebody commits blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, they're done in this life and the next. This is somebody who knows better. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a proactive action. It is not a passive action of not believing Jesus Christ. I don't know why. I don't know why this is such a difficult concept, except for this one point. Pretty much all those denominations believe that once saved, always saved. I believe that you can't throw away. I'm, I'm sorry. I believe that you can't lose your salvation like you lose your car keys, and it can't be stolen from you. But it over and over and over again in Scripture, it's clear that you can throw it away. You get to a seared conscience. How about all those people in the book of Revelation that said, if you don't, if you don't repent, I will blot your name out of the book of life. Well, how can you get blotted out of the book of life if you first weren't in the book of life? I could probably 50 other passages. So there's Pat Robertson, Calvary Chapel, Baptist, Pentecost. i got to tell you, on this point, they are virtually all wrong. It's not just simply a passive rejection of Jesus Christ. It's an active thing, just what the Pharisees did. They called that what Jesus did to be of the devil. And proactively, that which is of the devil to be of God. In the case of Pete Buttigieg, maybe and more likely than the cannabis guy. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. From townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. The House Judiciary Committee has voted along party lines to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress. Just as the hearing was about to convene, the White House invoked executive privilege over the report and its underlying documents. Chairman Jerry Nadler. This decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance of Congress' constitutionally mandated duties. The top Republican on the committee, Georgia's Doug Collins. Democrats have no plans no purpose, and no viable legislative agenda beyond attacking this administration. Florida's Matt Gates. This is all about impeaching the president. The party line vote sends the contempt citation to the full House. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. While politicians were arguing in Washington, rain swamping the nation's midsection forced people from their homes in Kansas, stranded dozens of Texas children overnight, 
and strained levees along the surging Mississippi River in Illinois, Missouri, and elsewhere Wednesday, prompting yet more flash flood concerns. Mike, a Good Samaritan in Houston, tells KTRK he rescued a number of motorists in the Kingwood area who found themselves stranded in high water. We've been out here for a couple hours now just, uh, you know, helping these people. If we somebody's in their car, we get them out, we get the car out, pull them up to dry land. TV ads for prescription drugs will soon be required to carry prices. That's the word from the Trump administration today. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Cesar says drug companies should not object to patients knowing how much they'll be charged. If a drug company is afraid that their prices are so excessive and abhorrent that they will scare patients away from using their drugs, well, they ought to look inside themselves and think about whether they should be lowering their prices. The new regulations say drug companies...